Welcome to the Speakeasy Noir Cast, a podcast discussing film noirs of yesterday and neo noirs of today. Each week, we're going to deliver a discussion of our analysis of classic noir films, and occasionally we'll interview up and coming directors and writers of new neo noir films, all mixed in with our unintelligible banter. Your hosts for the show, Jason D. Morris and Carly Street. Hey, Carly. It's just like that TV show on Disney. <laughs> what? If you're going to say I, Carly, it's nothing like that. It's exactly like that. I know everybody needs to follow you around. That's the video camera one, right? She's got yeah. Like a, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They jump on a beanbag every so often and go, hey, guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it'd be fun to have somebody follow you around with a camera. You know, we could just post it on YouTube or something. It would just be me swearing at people. Yeah. Falling over. It's brilliant. It's like daytime TV, or right? Swearing at myself because I fell over. <laughs> now, did you guys in uh, over there in Britland have any uh, equivalent uh, TV shows as to like Jerry Springer out here in the US? Do you know what that Ooh, is? Yeah we, yeah, we have Jeremy Kyle. So remember okay. we talked about Chavs? Uh, vaguely, maybe, probably not. What is it? The chaps, <laughs> the, the the angry teenagers that have their socks turned. Oh like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, right, right. So track basically, guys, all yeah. yes, all the tracksuit people take their girlfriends on TV. Oh, and then okay. sh- like they all just fight and shame and get DNA tests and end up sleeping with their dads and all sorts of shenanigans. <laughs> all right, and that's still a popular thing out there. I mean, they banned it now because oh, too many did. people, too much shit was going down. Oh, interesting. But there's reruns, okay. so. Yeah. Yeah, I just watched this um, documentary. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like about the 90s. And uh, the first episode is revolves around Jerry Springer. And uh, it was pretty funny. It's It was interesting. They, they hype it up so much and make it like such a big deal. But at the time, it, I mean, I don't know. It didn't seem like it was a big deal. But, I like uh, Ricky Lake. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, she's an yeah. actress, too. I mean, there's less chair throwing, but she gets mm-hmm. to the meat of the meat of the issue. <laughs> well, <clears throat> here we are for another episode, Carly. Um, Yay! And I'm just going to apologize to our listeners out there for forgetting to post last week's show. <laughs> uh, but it'll it'll show up. My 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 apologies. Carly gave me an is earful earlier. Is that because it's Keanu Reeves and you don't want it to become reality? Keanu who? That you watched a Keanu Reeves film. <laughs> Keanu who? What do you is mean that Keanu even a real Reeves? name? Is that a real listen, name? You, you, listen, they'll find out that you were checking out his kneecaps, so. <laughs> I guess they will. Mm. Well, by the time that they listen to this, they will have already listened to that, so. <laughs> so why are you apologizing, you fool? It's a post-humorous po- apology. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've been... Um, editing the next episode of Haunted Objects. And for those at home, if you don't know what Haunted Objects is, we have this show on the Paranormal Network on YouTube. You should check it out. Um, it is hosted by Evan O'Hare, uh, who does this amazing, amazing job. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he, he uh, introduces and tells you stories uh, revolving around objects that are supposedly haunted. Um, and I'm editing the next episode that will go live. Oh, when is it go? It goes up on uh, March 16th. So I think actually by the time you listen to this episode, that episode will be just coming out. Um, and uh, this is a good one, Carly. I like this is the one where uh, Evan is dressed up in the tux and uh, we go over um, the Myrtle Plantation mirror and we talk about um, uh, 
the screaming skull and the haunted wedding dress. That's a good episode. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, most episodes only revolve around two stories. This one actually has three in it. Um, so listeners at home, if you're interested and you like the paranormal, um, you should check out our show Haunted Objects on the Paranormal Network on YouTube. You can just, it's probably easier to just search Paranormal Network um, as if you type in Haunted Objects, you're going to be flooded with or a bunch of look at individual our videos. Playlist. Or our playlist, yeah, or at uh, uh, Resurrection Films, yeah, you can you can find us on YouTube as well. Um, so check it out if you uh, if you're into that kind of thing. It's it's this next episode is going to be really fun, and I think the last episode was our Judge Rinder episode, right? Which I think yeah, it was. A bit. Yeah, I thought that was pretty fun too. Um, I just like so. watching Judge uh, Reiner um, yell at people without passively aggressively yell at people. Sure. Yeah. It's just like you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I would have thrown the, the little hammer thing that they get. That I would have lost that. I'd I'd be on like my twenty seventh. <laughs> oh, I can't deal with your stupidity. A doll. How can how can you not pay a human being because a haunted doll told you not to? Straight in the fucking face. Straight in the face. <laughs> yeah. And that dope he would have probably just taken and be like, What what I do wrong? <laughs> yep. And then I would be like, listen, my my verdict is take everything out of his pockets, whatever you can find to get your money (laughs) while he's on the ground and take the doll back. It's weird. (laughs) Wow. He's pretty funny in his own right. I really liked Judge Reinder. I'd never heard of him before. Oh, so we had back in the day we had uh, Judge Wapner and then uh, he quit and uh, eventually passed away. And then we had... um, uh, who is it? The lady now. Um, Judge Judy. No, Judge Judy, right? Yeah, yeah. Kinda I really like it because she, much. well, she's yeah, not passive do. aggressive. She just yells at people. I yeah, like she's just aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she, <laughs> she's actively aggressive. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, again, uh, search uh, for the Paranormal Network on YouTube and check out Haunted Objects. Um, and also there's a, a couple other shows that um, I edit for the Paranormal Network. You can also check out We Want to Believe, which is uh, created and hosted by Jason Hewlett. Hewlett sorry, Jay. <laughs> and Peter You just Wren. made up a surname <laughs> right there. <laughs> Which, yeah. If you're into like, ghost hunting shows like, uh, I don't know, what are those ghost hunting shows that were like on Discovery and Travel Channel and stuff? Um, I can't think of the names of them because I didn't really watch like ghost them. Ghost Hunters. And- Ooh, yeah, tats. Ghost Hunters. There you go. Taps, not ghost hunters. Taps is really good because they're actually like, no, it's your plumbing. Or, yes, it's a ghost. Yeah, and that's kind of like what we want to believe is about. Um, If you guys check that out, it's a very grounded, realistic ghost hunting show where they're not going to fake you with, you know, uh, bumps and sounds that aren't real. And if they hear something, they try to debunk it over trying to prove that it's paranormal. Um, So it's a fun show. You guys should check that out. Um, you can also check out another um, talk show that's uh, that I edit on there called um, Hunting the Haunted, where, again, Jason Hewlett and Peter Wren go over famous cases of the paranormal and try to decide from their opinion, their point of view, whether it's um, something that's credible or seems faked. Um, so all three of those are pretty fun shows. You should check them out. I don't know why I got on that, because we're here to talk about a film noir, right? And uh, yeah. I th- yeah. So, but I go on tangents sometimes and I think that's why people like tune out and they're like, I'm not listening to their shit. Click. Well, Let's listen to you know cereal. Funny. <laughs> do you know that? something funny? Whilst you were waffling on, I sent a text <laughs> message that, I, that was meant to be for Lily and I've just mm-hmm. sent it to my mum. And I just know in the next five minutes, I'm going to have 27 phone calls and garbled <laughs> messages because she just cannot understand. Like she'll read <laughs> what I've sent and then won't read the sorry meant to text Lily bit and she's going to be utterly bamboozled for at least another two hours oh no <laughs> oops just send her a new text message or call her real quick you know get her on the line no, we're Let's not talk putting to her on the my show. On, we are not putting my mother on the podcast why that'd be great she is drunk after three o'clock in the afternoon even better <laughs> <laughs> she's like she's like I tried all your drinks watched all your film it was shit what's next <laughs> 
all right. With that said, let's get in for tonight's uh, drink, <clears throat> which is sort of related to our movie tonight and sort of not related to our movie. Okay. This is called the Notorious RB Ginger, and it's named after Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, who is a Supreme Court justice here in the U.S. Um, uh, but I picked this because obviously the name Notorious RB Ginger. Nice. Okay. And this drink is uh, made with... Um, 0.75 ounces of contrae contrae uh, I know I still can't say that word contrae Con- I'm just I'm phonetic I'm, it's all about phon- phonics <laughs> coin it's not, it's not about speaking it sounds French contrae <laughs> uh, okay moving on <laughs> Moving on, moving on. One point five <laughs> ounces of Mount Gray. Sorry. One point five ounces of Mount Gay rum. Don't know what that is. Point um, seven five ounces of fresh lemon juice, which I hate lemon as usual. Point uh, two five ounces of simple syrup. Uh, it says two coins of fresh ginger, and I don't know what that means. I'm guessing like like a slice or something. I don't know. I don't deal with ginger a lot. Don't really like no. it. Not a fan. Ginger nuts like them. That's about it. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind ginger if it's in moderation because it can like it can, like burns your mouth if there's too much. I like it when um, it's in a candle. Oh, like the smell of it. Yeah, okay. like I, right. I like the smell of it. All right. Um, and then uh, after your two coins of fresh ginger, which I'm assuming are slices, um, three ounces of ginger beer to top it off. <clears throat> now, the write up on this uh, drink says, just like Ruth Bader Ginsburg herself, this drink is inspired by RBG. The documentary about the Supreme Court justice is strong with a touch of sweetness. Um, and how you make it is you muddle ginger in simple syrup in the bottom of a shaker add the contrae rum and lemon juice shake and strain over ice and you top with your ginger beer ginger beer i can't speak as usual (laughs) this actually sounds pretty good to me like i'm this this sounds like a good drink i would drink this thank god you don't have to order it by asking for the ingredients at the bar there's a lot of ingredients right it's a lot of little little things going on there that i can't say (laughs) No, give me the notorious RB ginger. The what? (laughs) Well, it's 0.75 ounces coin tray. Ew. 1.5 ounces of Mountain rub. (laughs) The coin. The coin. What? (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm. I would be terrible with this. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. All right, guys. So, um. We hope that you guys try these drinks at home. Um, that's part of the fun of the show. So at some point, you know, even if you don't have these ingredients at home, which is probably not likely, go out, you know, re-listen to some of these episodes, get a recipe or write it down and then go get it and make a drink and see if you enjoy it. So we want to hear from you. Um, so while you hopefully enjoy or think about enjoying a Notorious RB Ginger, uh, let's take a listen to tonight's uh, trailer. What's your angle? Got a job for you. There's only one job that you coppers would want me for. You remember a man named Sebastian? One of my father's friends, yes. He's part of the combine that built up the German war machine and hopes to keep on going. We have to contact him. She's a perfect type for the job. Sebastian knows her. He was once in love with her. She's good at making friends with gentlemen. I don't think any of us have any illusions about her character, have we, Devon? This is 
is a very strange love affair. Find out what's going on inside this house, what the group around him is up to, and report to us. Oh, darling, what you didn't tell them, tell me. That you believe I'm nice and that I love you and I'll never change back. She's had me worried for some time. A woman of that sort. I was watching you and your friend, Mr. Devlin. Mr. Devlin doesn't mean a thing to me. I'd like to be convinced. Someone is coming. I'm going to kiss you. No, he'll only think we... That's what I wanted to think. It's a tough job we're on. She's never been trained for that kind of work. I've got to get you out of here. That was the trailer for the 1946 film Notorious. And Notorious is a 1946 American spy film noir directed and produced by Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, It stars Cary Grant, Ingrid Bergman, and Claude Rains. Um, And I think because I often step all over Carly's in a nutshell. Let's just hurry up and move on to the nutshell. <laughs> Lordy Alfire. Right? You actually remembered. <laughs> I kind of remembered. I think I remembered. I don't know. Did you prepare uh, in a nutshell uh, synopsis for today? Of course I bloody did. All right. Well, then, Carly, here we go. And now it's time for Carly's super famous in a nutshell synopsis. Carrie Grant, Carrie, I can't talk now. Carrie Grant as a suave pimp, and everybody seems to be okay with it. Yeah, okay. Well, I don't know about a pimp. Is he a pimp in this movie? I don't know. You mean he's pimping her out, <laughs> and he, let's face it, to that weird old bloke whose mother yeah. looks like his wife. You're right, you're right. Yeah, I guess you're right. And they're having meetings about how well she's doing at the pimping situation, which I think is a little bit odd, if I'm honest. Yeah, 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 he's got his arm folded. Yeah, 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 crack on. (laughs) So, I mean, it's a pimp. That's true. You're you're not wrong. (laughs) Not wrong at all. Um, I'm not a huge Cary Grant fan. Do you like him? I love him. Do you? I love him. Yeah, I actually really do. He's like my guilty pleasure. I love Arthnick and Old Lace and His Girl Friday so much. Mm. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of him. I don't know why. Like even with this movie, I was just like, eh, he's just there. <laughs> the only thing I didn't, I didn't really don't understand why he doesn't let her kiss him. She looks oh. like she's kissing a mirror half the time, and I don't understand why. That, that's okay. the, that's the only thing with him. He's not very, he's not very natural, like romantic leading man. Probably because he's I'm gay. Okay I that. mean, at that time, a lot of these actors were. I don't know. Maybe he was. I don't know. Was that like a? I don't know too much he about just, him. He so. just seems really like. Unc- I don't know if it's because it's like macho or something. He just seems incredibly uncomfortable when she's put her face near his. Yeah, he like maybe he's, his a, mouth. he's a Rock <laughs> Hudson type, where you know he's he's not into women. I don't know, but I do know that there is some lore to the kissing in this film. Um, so this might answer your question and it might not be because he's gay. So, um, which is fine either way, but here is what I found out, which I thought was pretty interesting because I didn't know this and I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that know this. I'm no expert in any of this stuff, but I do find it, um, fascinating when I come across, you know, pieces of information that are new to me. So I hope you guys at home do too. Um, so Hitchcock did something, which I, I, I agree with you. It, seems, it feels unnatural in this movie, the kissing. Um, it's mm-hmm. odd because she's like kissing yeah, a post a or something. Yeah, as well. Yeah, it's yeah. like not required. Mm-hmm. So, so here's what happened. 
there there was a law. There was like a a, a ban on kisses over three seconds in films back then. It was like a part of the oh. uh, like the the code. I can't remember exactly what it's called. Um, I should know this stuff, but I don't. Um, but there's like this code of like conduct in films, kind of thing. Um, so there was a there was a ban on kissing over three seconds. So what Hitchcock did, which is kind of ingenious, you know, he had her kissing him and then stop and then kiss and then stop and kiss and stop and kiss. And then, and so it ends up being like this, this three minute, like kiss scene uh, of a bunch of broken into, you know, short kisses over the course of that running time. Um, so that's, that's probably part of the reason why a lot of the kissing in this movie is feels or seems unnatural because I think Hitchcock was kind of trying to get away with something uh, um, to sell the romance because at the time, Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman were, you know, huge stars, right? <laughs> so that's, this is kind of one of those things that everybody would, would, would have wanted to see. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think that that may be, um, hopefully that uh, answers part of your question. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I just, they fell in, everybody's fallen in love just so fast. It's like they sit, they, they have one conversation. Oh, I'm so in love. Right. I mean, which, calm down. Yeah. Which, you know, I think that um, Shawnee and I, we were watching this and that was part of our issue with it is like the story feels choppy. And let me let me precursor like, this. Let me precursor this. With a kind of like, if he'd have fell in love with it as they as this was going on, I could understand that, and that would that would be better because he's having to watch this as he's falling in love. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't understand this. We've gone on a plane ride, and now we're madly in love. Yeah, yeah, and that was our issue with it. Is like it, it, you know, I know that this is a very celebrated film. Um, this is this is Hitchcock's, I think, break into like the spy territory Uh um and so there's a lot of celebration around this film what he did with this film and all that kind of stuff but i personally found it so choppy uh story-wise you know with the accelerated romance with a lot of different elements of the film just it, it didn't it did not play smooth to me um now there was a lot of cool things that he did do in the film but i feel like whether it was the script or whether it was the direction um, or maybe even ratings issues. Um, I'm not 100% sure what caused it to have this choppy feeling to it. But yeah, the romance portion of it like didn't work for me one, one single bit. And then not really being a huge Cary Grant fan. And he's very stoic and quiet in this film. He, like, he doesn't do a whole lot. You know, he just pops in the room, smokes a cigarette, gets kissed on, and's like, "Well, go sleep with him. I'll be back." <laughs> right? <laughs> I was expecting a bit to him to be around a little bit more, if I'm honest. Yeah, no. Because usually, like- when you watch a Cary Grant film, like he is front and center, like he is everywhere, and I was quite surprised that he's the lead in this, and he is nowhere to be seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like this is like the the equivalent of today's films where they get like a, a big star for like three days of time. And he's like in like, you know, two scenes of the movie or something like that, you know. Um, yeah, but on the front of the poster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, but I mean, you know, if you add it all up, he's in a good amount of the movie. He just doesn't really do anything. And I think so he falls into the background mostly like he. You know, this is like to me, it's like almost a precursor to like James Bond or something. Yeah. Um, Wouldn't you, you know, have been a, a bloody good James Bond? Well, when okay, you watch so this. there's two things stacked against, you know, that for my opinion, because one, I can't stand James Bond and two, I can't stand Cary Grant. So I, I <laughs> declined to answer maybe. <laughs> I'm going to start a little Facebook group. I'm going to find all the Cary Grant fans and I'm going to write, listen, listen, pickles. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's fine. I get it. I mean, I'm the same way with a lot of actors. Like, I can't stand DiCaprio. I can't stand, like, Brad Pitt. There's, like, there's certain actors that are just themselves. I just don't, I don't know. I can't stand Tom Cruise. Oh, me neither. Yeah. 
No, I hate him. Yeah. And it's usually those big stars that are that way for me, you know, because they're just, they're themselves. They're the same in every movie. Now, granted, I do think DiCaprio has gotten a lot better and later in life, like there's certain, certain roles that he's done. I thought, you know, we're, we're pretty good, but, um, and the same with, uh, Tom Cruise did a couple of things, but it's usually like silly, stupid shit, you know, like where he's in the, um, um, uh, what was it Tropic Thunder? Where he, where he plays like the the heavyweight like uh, dude and does like the dancing at the end of the like you don't even know it's Tom Cruise, right? Um, so that like works for me just because you have no idea that it's him. <laughs> but that's like it, you know. But uh, and then like earlier in his career, I was okay with it because he wasn't as like. I don't know. It doesn't have that sort of narcissistic sort of like atmosphere to him. You know, like if mm. you look at movies like uh color of money or um, cocktail or something like that, or even rain man, um, that was sort of that time where he started becoming like this huge, huge star. And like, I don't know, he just was the same person. Every movie he just got tired of it. Yeah. Maybe it was just in too much stuff at the time, but <clears throat> um but that's kind of the same same feeling I have with Cary Grant. Like I don't, I haven't seen a lot of his films, but I just don't really care for him. I guess. Like, there's so many. Oh, you've got to watch his Girl Friday. Have you seen that? Uh, I, I, I'm honestly, I'm not 100 sure. I, I would say that I have, but I don't really recall because I watched a so lot that, of noir. That's... Oh God, it's not noir. Is that even a noir? It's not a noir, but it's like a no, 1940s or 50s not, film, right? not even at all. It, um, that's where my annoying use of uh, language in scripts comes from. Because oh, I spent well, years trying I... to imitate the back and forth that they had because it was so, I can't remember exactly, but it's like, it's one of the like fastest read dialogue interactions like ever in film history. And mm. because I love because it's they don't really speak how normal people speak but because of the way they're bantering and bickering it comes across even more realistic because mm-hmm. okay. it's, well, I mean, it's kind of like if i was wanting to argue with my husband or with anybody it's what i would have thought after the fact that it's happened you know when you go back and you think oh, i should have fucking said that it's like <laughs> that but at the time it's just brilliant. And that's why I add loads of extra words in that aren't necessary yeah, and have weird speech patterns. It's his fault. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, I I, I don't know that that always works. <laughs> but I will definitely it check it out. His, it. his Girl Friday. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not true. Like, you're a great writer. Like, you've done some good stuff. But sometimes... <laughs> You know, I always look at it like, well, maybe it's the the English English barrier. <laughs> it sounds stupid. That's but what I'm going to tell people when they say right. you shit. I'm going to go. That's just the English translation, mate. I'm actually brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. <clears throat> so, Notorious is considered uh, to be a, a huge. Um you know, kind of landmark film for Hitchcock artistically. Um, and they, they kind of consider this film to be like his, the height of his maturity as a filmmaker, which I, I just don't agree with. I, I just, there's, uh, I don't know. I, I don't agree with the love of this film, but I mean, to each their own kind of thing. Like I'm not going to knock it. It's just my personal preference or, or feeling on it. It's like, I, I, I see some really cool things that he did in it, but I also see that there's some very unevenness and choppiness to the movie that sort of knocks it down several notches for me. Um, but, um, he was 46 years old when he made this. Um, and I guess it was his, uh, he was trying to create a serious love story. Uh, and, and I just, I think he failed at that miserably. <laughs> like in my opinion, like that's the one thing he was trying to do with this film. Um, in my opinion, I think he failed um, because it's so, it's so over the, the kind of top, just how quickly it comes together. And, mm. you know, I mean, 
even even the I, premise I, of the story, like her father being this like spy and then them being like, oh, we heard what you said on this tape to tape. Why don't you come help us? It's like, really? <laughs> like That's easy. <laughs> you know, like the whole setup just kind of, I don't know, it was strange and the love story I was like just. The setup. I, I like the setup. I like the like spy bit. And I don't think there was anywhere near enough of that. Because I thought I thought the love story was taken front and centre, and actually the the spy bit, I found a little like found a little bit more interesting, especially with her being a bit of a drunkard. And I would have liked to have seen a bit more of that. No, and I totally agree with you, and I think that's that's the downfall of the film. Like even the her being an alcoholic sort of thing, they didn't spend enough time. They didn't spend enough time showing us that she is an alcoholic. I mean, we get like, what, one scene? Right? Mm. And then he and, makes and, a comment, doesn't he, later on? Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And like, I don't think you you see her drink one other time in the rest of the movie. So it's kind of silly. So, and and just like the, the, the romance aspect of it, there was very little courting between the two. And that's the same thing with the spy thing. I feel like they should have been courting her longer to do this job. You yeah. know, but it's like it's it a was one really night. Good, wasn't it? Yeah, it makes you sense. You know, the little like, tricks that she does, like when she gets the key and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's if we'd have had loads more of those, that would have been like amazing. Yeah, but that's that's I'm talking about early on, like even getting her to go in and even take yeah. the plane flight. Like I feel like the the first half of the movie needed to be uh, long. They need to spend more time story wise developing those characters relationships and why would she do this? Like I wanted to see them breaking her down her resolve, you know, her being like, you know, for America and not being a spy, but also being, um, you know, loyal to her father and in some respect and them having to sort of break her down to make her a part of this you know, and that would also help with developing the romantic relationship between them, the two of them, you know, sort mm. of cul- culminating in this flight where they could sort of sort of um, bring it all together right there. And then from then on, the rest of it would really make sense, you know, but they just didn't yeah. spend that kind of time, you know, and that's that that um, I think was a huge disservice for this this particular type of film, especially if his his one biggest thing he was wanting to do was to create a serious love story. Like he didn't show, he showed us maybe the maturity of the characters in a way that they're adult enough to be like, okay, well she has to do this. That sucks. Maybe we won't end up together, you know, and them dealing with it in a mature way, which is fine. But we didn't really get to see the, uh, them grow from the beginning. And that, you know, I, I think, you know, just didn't, uh, didn't help it at all. Um, this was uh, a film that was selected um, for the preservation of the United States National Film Registry. Do you guys have anything like that in um, the UK? Probably. BFI probably does something. Yeah, but they only play favourites, so there's only the same 10 filmmakers that we ever see. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I think... Even if, yeah. Even if it's shite, it's just, oh, okay, Richard Curtis has got another comedy film out with 27 characters in it that doesn't make sense. But because he wrote Blackadder 20 years ago, of course, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I think we get a lot of that here in the States too. I think that's anywhere. Um, yeah, it was, you know, for whatever it's worth, it was uh, selected for the preservation of the United States National Film Registry and the Library of Congress um, as being culturally and historically and aesthetically significant. And I do think that there probably is some historical, uh, you know, reasoning behind this film that would make it um yeah, that would that would make sense that it was would be preserved because this is all about the Cold War and um, that kind of thing. And um, aesthetically, I think Hitchcock did do some fairly cool things in this film. I don't feel like there was anything over the top, crazy interesting that he did, but there were some cool, interesting shots that he uh, was able to pull off, um, which made it you know more interesting than I think that what we were seeing on screen really. Um, how did you feel about it? Like the aesthetically, like, 
I don't think this really looked like a noir. I don't think it really felt like a noir. It was more to me like a spy movie. Um, yeah, it didn't. It didn't really feel like a film noir. It felt like it was struggling a little bit for what it wanted to be. Did it want to be a thriller? Mm-hmm. Did it want to be a romance? Yeah, um, yeah. It was. It was that's even probably why you're like struggling with the balance of it a little bit. Yeah. Um, I quite liked it though. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. I mean, um, yeah. Once I got past the this is ridiculous, they fell in love after twenty minute conversation. Mm-hmm. But I think partially because Cary Grant's character went out of the way. So then I really enjoyed just watching her because mm-hmm. I think she's fantastic. I think she's a really, really good actress. I really like her. Oh, yeah. So I really did enjoy just, just watching her sort of have her time. And then when he came back into it, because they weren't all over each other, licking each other's cheeks, <laughs> I kind of forgot about the original weird romance bit. Uh-huh. So then when he came into it a bit more and started getting more a bit more worried because obviously she wasn't checking in and he thought she was just drinking and actually she's been poisoned by the lunatics in the mansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When it, I really loved when he got her out. What a scene. When he got her out of the bloody house. Yeah, yeah. No, it was good. I, I thought like that was whole, fantastic. Yeah, I really think that the movie was finding its stride at that point. Like when, once yeah. they got into that. Like, um, and it was one of those things where it's like... Um, I don't know at the time if that was familiar, but to, by today's standards, that's sort of like idea of the poisoning, the you know, that's, that's pretty familiar by today's standard, but they did sort of, um, they made it work really well because he's like, screw it. I'm going in there. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to, you know, we'll figure this out, whatever happens. Um, and then by sort of like in this, like forward blackmail sort of scenario, um, you know, they were able to escape, which I thought was really cool. And I thought it was hilarious where the guy's like, let me in the car. They're going to kill me. It's like, that's your problem. <laughs> you know, and they just kind of take off. I thought that was, that was really fun. Um, I like that. I know yeah. you could tell as well how the mother was like, yeah, you witch, you can shut <laughs> up. Yeah. And you know, that's funny that you bring her up. Um, uh, the mother's name was Ethel Barrymore. And I don't know if you dug into that at all, but um, Ethel Barrymore is, I think, the great aunt of Drew Barrymore. Um, Oh, really? Yeah. And her grandfather is John Barrymore, who is, you know, she has a very famous family, you know, lineage as far as acting. I hope that's a fact and you're not just making that up to monkey with my emotions. Absolutely a fact. Yeah. John Barrymore was, I think, probably the most famous, uh, you know, Besides Drew, I think Drew is, you know, modern day is the most famous, but John Barrymore was very famous for the time. Um, and Ethel Barrymore was too, back, back in the day. She was, I think the first one, um, there's, there's like, there's like four or five people, um, in her family that is, uh, you know, at their time of life was very famous. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. Cause I, I mean, I, you know, you don't recognize I don't recognize the connection as far as the look, like they don't look like each other or anything, but also which I found interesting is I'm wondering if Drew Barrymore's first name comes from another part of her family lineage, because the two families that sort of converge in her ancestry is the Barrymore's and the Drew's. Um, and so I was wondering, I I don't know, I couldn't find any information on that, but, um, I'm wondering if her first name comes from that side of the family's last name, um, which I thought would be interesting, but again, couldn't find a whole lot of information. Maybe something. Maybe we should tweet her. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Yeah. I would, I would tweet more from the Speakeasy Noir cast Twitter account, by the way, but I may have logged myself out and lost the password. (laughs) You're as bad. On the download. But it's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) You're as bad with that stuff as I am with pronunciations. (laughs) I know. I know. It's it's because I have angry finger syndrome. So I type on the tiny little squares. Uh Uh-huh. But now you have a laptop. Don't type the right words. I I want a Blackberry back, you know, with the actual keys. Boosh, boosh, done. No, no. You have a you have a new laptop. You need to start using it and use Chrome or something that has like a password saver. 
All right. So you won't have that problem anymore. Okay. I know. I will. I just, once I figured out the email address I used, we're golden. <laughs> I can figure that out for you, I think, because I think we have it in uh, somewhere else. But anyway, uh, yeah, you need to, you need to get on board with the laptop. <laughs> Your generation I, I, tweet, of I will. <laughs> I will tweet Drew Barrymore from my laptop. <laughs> Excuse yeah. me, dear Drew. <laughs> I, I just I don't understand your generation with trying to like edit photos on a phone or, or video and stuff. It's like what? <laughs> so crazy. It's because Jason, when you get angry, you can throw the phone. Uh huh. They've yeah, been okay. made to to be durable enough for angry people like me to throw them at a brick wall and them still work. Laptops, it's a bit obvious when you throw a laptop in a hissy Hulk fit. They cost about the same amount of money, though. I would never throw my phone. (laughs) Now, see, I'm banned from having... Jason, Jason, Street just lets me have like the cheapest shitty thing from China going that does what I need because (laughs) nine times out of ten, it's going down the staircase. It's at the wall. I mean, even if I'm not trying, it's on the floor sometimes. <laughs> okay, just so what you're saying is that we need to get you some anger anger management classes here so you can stop throwing Maybe. your phone. Maybe <laughs> you'll be able to invest in some newer technology. <laughs> Won't forget your passwords. Is it called Inside Out? That little angry red yeah, thing? Uh-huh. That's me. <laughs> My daughter says that's me too. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> I yeah. always tell people, you know, when you're at work and you have to look professional and you go, pick which one you are. I always pick joy. Realistically, I'm fucking, I'm not. <laughs> I'm the angry little red thing that's going nuts in the back. <laughs> so you're just lying on the outside to people. Yeah? Yep. 100%. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> oh, boy. Now, uh, speaking of hiding, <clears throat> did you uh, catch... Uh, Hitchcock's uh, cameo in the movie because you know he does no. a cameo in like all of his movies right he, yeah but I didn't know where it was oh okay find him really okay so so it's about uh, an hour into the film um, and, and there's actually two different versions of the film there's a there's a the full film and there's an edited version um, I'm not 100% sure what the differences are but it's about an hour into the movie the version i watched um and he's at the uh the party that she has and oh, uh, okay uh what's his, you know carrie grant's character shows up um and uh hitchcock is um he's like drinking a glass of something or other um as uh carrie grant and ingrid bergman's characters like uh, approach um and then he just sets it down and, and walks out of frame um but yeah he's in there it's 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 more it's a he's he's there like you know some of his cameos are you know really kind of hard to see like sometimes it's just a shadow or a reflection in a window or something like that which is cool Mm. Uh, but you know occasionally you know you see these ones where he's like in it you know so So he's he's not as obvious as quentin tarantino who just like takes up the screen for 25 minutes rambling yeah, I mean, he pretty much his you know, cameos. <laughs> just, you know, casts himself in the movie. It's not really a cameo. <laughs> I make it a cameo as a character that's in every scene. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it's more like the Stan Lee sort of thing. But I, I don't think that I recall any films where um, Hitchcock speaks or has a line. I could be wrong, but I would want to check that out. Cause like Stan Lee does the same thing. Like all the Marvel movies, you know, he, he puts, yeah, but you only ask like one line. Does it's like a one line or isn't it? Or something like that. Yeah. Really? Like, yeah. kid, look there. Or, you know, whatever. I think yeah. maybe one or two movies he had like an actual, like little monologue. Um, but that was about it, you know, <clears throat> but it's kind of like on that level, you know, but I think Hitchcock, Hitchcock was kind of smart about it because I mean, he has, he has a, um, well-defined sort of, uh, look. You know, obviously, like if you look at his TV shows and stuff, they use his shadow as an outline, you know. So, I mean, he's kind of easy to see. So I thought it was really cool how most of his films, he's a little difficult to to see his cameo. Yeah. It's a bit like, where's Wally? <laughs> where's Wally? Waldo? Well, no, where's Wally? You have where's Wally? We have where's Waldo? He's red, he's red and yellow and he has glasses yeah, and a big nose. Ours is red and white, 
No, um, I'm sorry. I said the wrong yeah, colour. I'm having such a brain fart. He is red and, red and white. Okay. So I, I guess they just change his name. Oh, that's <laughs> I think weird. they just change his name for British. Yeah. It's, it's Waldo out here. It's funny. Where's Wally? Huh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, where's Wally? Yeah. Now, Hitchcock had a really difficult time um, with this film. Uh, it was originally being backed by um, uh, Selznick. Um, and eventually, uh, I guess because the troubles uh, Hitchcock and Selznick were having, um, Selznick wanted somebody else to play Cary Grant's role and all these different issues. I think, I think, uh, I can't remember exactly who it was, maybe Joseph Cotton or something. I can't remember somebody that he had under contract. Um, but Hitchcock really wanted his cast or whatever. Um, and mm-hmm. Selznick eventually sold it to RKO, um, for a, a huge amount of money, in my opinion, $800,000. On top of that, he was, yeah. And on top of that, he was able to retain 50% of the profits. (laughs) Wow. That the movie made. So what an amazing fucking deal. Right. Yeah. Um, But I guess RKO and Hitchcock really wanted to part ways and, you know, the movie did really well. So it wasn't a huge deal, but I guess Selznick was still in the picture because he had owned 50% of it. And so they still had to deal with him and his, you know, script changes and whatever it might be, but being a nightmare. Yeah, pretty much. But those little like things are always interesting to me to to find out about, you know, behind the scenes stuff of these these older films. <clears throat> Too bad uh documentaries and like Blu-ray and DVD extras weren't a thing back then. Yeah. Oh, nothing would have got made. They would have murdered people over it, wouldn't they? Right, yeah, yeah. It's just it's I too bad. That they, though, did, like, though. they may have. I mean, there might be some stuff that's just buried, you know. Yeah. I had a really good book. I'll see if I can root it out for you. I have a really, really good, it's too big to send, but I have a really, really good book about like the golden age, like the dark side of the golden age of cinema. Cool. Very cool. It's really, really interesting. Find it out here. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I also um, thought it was very interesting that um, this entire movie, um, and I think that we discussed this too on Dark City where it was all shot in a studio, the entire film. This entire Love film it. was also shot in a studio, except for that one scene. Me. Yeah. Just one scene was shot outside, and that was the the weird, awkward horse riding scene um, <laughs> where, where he's trying to get her to get the, the guy she used to know to notice her. And he's like, let me just kick your horse. <laughs> yeah. Let me just nearly kill you. Let's trifle with death this morning. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's not noticed on the way past. So what's to say he's going to be bothered that your horse is bolted. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was the only outside scene. That was shot, which I didn't even notice it was really, I mean, that could have been a studio scene for all I knew. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what? The one thing that I did find a bit odd though, but I don't know Mm. if this is just me. So, you know, so the the husband, the guy they're trying to entrap, right? Why, why, why is he, I know he's not okay with her relationship or whatever you want to call it with Cary Grant, but why is he like very aware of this dude and very aware that there's clearly something that she's not telling him and he's always kind of like with her but never mm-hmm. has anybody check any intelligence on his name because he uses his real name how is he how does he not know that he's oh, with so i don't know if you caught it like but mi5 he, or whatever but he does know and he lets that out like towards the end of the movie like that scene so where he's he going okay? to rescue her I don't think that that he's okay with it i think what it is is that he's a very jealous person but also at the same time, I think he really is in love with this girl. Do you think that he just trusts her that she will, that they're sniffing around her and she's very like, you know, for the cause and she's fine? No, I don't think so. I think in the beginning, like, you know, he was, I don't think it mattered, to be honest with you. I think to him, he just, he had always been in love with this woman. And if she has flaws, she has flaws kind of thing until it becomes set in stone that she's a spy. Once he discovers the key and it's her and all that kind of stuff. And it's sort of set in stone. Then he's like, well, damn, 
okay, I guess we have to take care of her, you know, that kind of thing. Um, But I think at that point it's, it's not said in the movie, but I'm pretty sure that's when he investigates her friend because at the end, when he's getting her out of the house, he, he says it all. He's like, Oh, you're blah, 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 blah. blah." You know what I mean? Like he tells, Hmm. he tells them that he knows who he is. Right. So he had to have investigated him. Um, why he didn't do it sooner. I don't know. Maybe because, you know, I think, I think certain people that are, maybe this is just me coming from my own personal, um, you know, the way that I am, maybe certain people that have a sort of jealous part of them don't want to be. So they attempt to not indulge in that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Giving people the benefit of the doubt and not really like wanting uh, to be so too like over kind of compensating for yeah. okay. This man You're hoping for the best you. kind you of thing. To yeah. Dinner. <laughs> yeah. I'm not being weird. I'm not being weird about it. I'm chill. I'm cool. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you it yeah. ends up being like this weird sort of like you know, overcompensation kind of thing. But yeah, I, th- I think that might kind of be what it is. That's how I took him because he, he doesn't seem like a bad person other than his politics, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Other than the fact he's a Nazi. Right. You know, other than that, he seems like a, a pleasant person. He seems like he cares about that kind of thing. And he's like wanting to not screw it up, which is like giving her room to be her, you know, taking her word for it, believing her that she's not messing around with this guy, you know, blah, 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 all that kind of crap. I got to step saying blah, blah, blah. Cause that's just silly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's, that was my take on it because he doesn't seem like he's a hot headed kind of guy. You know? No, no. I suppose the way he deals with things, so he can't be. Mm-hmm, Everything right. has to be a bit like a big chess game of who's yeah. where, who's who. His what's mother, doing. on the other hand, is like, it's mad. Kill them all and figure it out later. <laughs> yep. She's like, shoot him in the face. Not even bother. Just carry on me sewing. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what it is. But yeah, that was a good point that you brought up because it is sort of like late in the movie where we, he really. Kind mm. of, I know who you are kind of thing. Yeah. All right, Carly. Well, uh, I guess let's get to, to rating the film then. Um, I'm, I'm kind of curious where you stand on this one. Cause I know you did like it. Um, uh, who do you want? You want me to go first? Or you want to go first? Well, whoever goes first is regardless. We have to give a big shout out first of all to the wine cellar. Oh yes. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. I know. What? They should do tours of that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's pretty cool. And you know what? Knowing that that was a studio way. that they built that. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. We can rebuild that. You can build me <laughs> one, Jason, when we make enough billions. Well, I have a little, you know, basement uh, at the house in Peoria. So uh, maybe maybe that's something we'll Fine, Teller. Fine, Teller. <laughs> We'll yeah. have a shadow of like Alfred Hitchcock on the wall painted. Oh my yeah. God, is that brilliant? <laughs> I, love I know that. it is. <laughs> Can I you imagine the genius that I would come up in the wine come up with in the wine cellar? Yes. My God. <laughs> I really do. I love that. I think that's great. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you're welcome. That was just thinking about the wine cellar. Imagine if I had a laptop in the wine cellar. <laughs> tap 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 what's daylight who knows but we got 27 film the war scripts <laughs> hey yeah, that's funny <laughs> and i need some new kidneys <laughs> <laughs> all right well then you better go first okay um i'm going to give it an eight eight okay mm-hmm. yep. and because i like carrie grant i like ingrid bergman Mm-hmm. I liked the last, like, the last portion of the film I thought was absolutely brilliant. I just wish there was a little bit, m- I wish it was a bit more like that mm-hmm. from the start. And their relationship felt more natural at that point as well. Mm-hmm. So if we chopped off, like, the first 20 minutes, I thought it was quite a good cracking film. Hmm. So it loses yeah. two gins for the first 20 minutes being rubbish. Yeah. And did you, have you seen the film before or was this first time? Um, I feel like I've seen it before, but I feel like it's been one of them ones that's just my mum's been watching and it's been on while I've been doing other stuff. 
Mm. I couldn't okay. say that anything was particularly familiar. It's, I mean, it's Cary Grant, so I probably picked up a DVD out of a bloody um, one of them bins where you just get DVDs for about two quid. I've probably picked one up. It's probably sat on my shelf with the cellophane still on it. From <laughs> <laughs> being Blast perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah, so, no, I can't recall anything that was particularly familiar to me. Okay. All right. Well, um, I'm going to give it a six. Um, and that, that's a rating for me where it's like, I would watch it again, but it's not something I will actively seek out to watch again. Um, it was, a, it was good, uh, in a lot of ways, but in other ways, it just like, it fell apart for me, uh, mainly like you said, the beginning of the film, which I think is really mm. important. I think that is, that is the crux of the the issue of the film really is that we need to see these two people's relationship grow to give a shit, you know? And towards the end of the movie, I just found myself like not really caring because I felt like the, the whole romance part of it was just so forced and happened so quickly. Like it didn't really matter to me and the espionage part of it. Like really there wasn't a whole lot going on. You really have the wine cellar and the key and that's it. I mean, that was really, the wine, only- that's all we need. The well, wine cellar I mean, in the kid. <laughs> there, to me, there needed to be at least at least two or three things happening, you know, um, mm, other than just yeah. deception. There was just a lot of deception that was going on. Um, but I needed, I wanted to see, you know, a few more spy kind of, you know, sneaking around, uh, you know, set pieces, I guess you could say, um, opposed to just the key in the, the bottle kind of thing. Um, yeah. And that, that would have worked better for me. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's a watchable movie. I think uh, I understand why people like it a lot and, you know, it's a part of the national film registry and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I just, I don't think it's as good as it's portrayed to be the, the first half of the movie or first half hour, 20 minutes, whatever it is, uh, the movie just really sank it for me as far as like loving the film. Had that been, and again, it's so choppy. Maybe there is a, you know, a better cut of the film somewhere or was a better cut planned. Um, I'm not sure, but, uh, yeah, I think that, um, it uh, it just, it had room to be better. Yeah. So six gens out of 10. Oh, whack. Yeah. I don't, I don't rate a whole lot of Hitchcock stuff low. I really don't. I, no, I really, you don't actually. Yeah, this is this so far for, uh, of his catalog. It's your I've least seen. favorite. Yeah, which which still I liked it. I didn't hate it, you know. But so far, yeah, this is the least favorite of everything that I've seen of his. And I haven't seen everything yet, but um, so that's where we are. There we go. That's the way <laughs> the cookie crumbles. That's right. So there you go, guys at home. Um, I think that um, maybe you guys might enjoy this film. Um, I think you should try it if you haven't seen it already. Um, it is worth watching. Um, Carly gives it a, a, a would you say an eight? You give it eight, an eight. Don't eight secretly cents? give it a yeah, six like you. Yeah, and I give it a six. Yeah, I think it's worth watching. So yeah, I think it's I think Definitely that's it's polarizing that way. Yeah, I think it's just polarizing that way because Carly's Carly's uh, you know, uh thinks Carrie Grant's a little easy on the eyes and likes him and you know, I, I I'm indifferent about it and um I got story issues. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you guys at home will Look, who who do you side with? It guys? was worth it. With? It was worth it to see Carrie Grant smoke a cigarette suavely, be mean and surly, and then brood and then walk off and forget his bottle of champers <laughs> that alone is worth a six so <laughs> okay <laughs> well folks at home you tell us what you think we're curious what your thoughts are all right so enjoy your notorious rb Gen- uh ginger what's it called again <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. Notorious RB Ginger. Yeah. Enjoy that with uh, watching Alfred Hitchcock's Notorious. And uh, we will see you next time. Bye-bye. He's looking at you, kid. Thanks for joining us this week on the Speakeasy Noircast. 
Make sure to visit our website, resurrectionfilms.net, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or any of your favorite podcast apps so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, The Dark Side of Acting Up and The Dark Side of Acting Up Volume 2, now available on Amazon. Or you can check out one of our films, also available on Amazon Prime. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Speakeasy Noircast.